Uh, you all here in the room, we even heard last week somebody watched the live stream while they were camping, which is amazing. So we're <laughs> welcoming you wherever you are worshiping with us today as we seek God in faith. It's so easy right now to feel disconnected. That's why we were so thankful these last couple of weeks. So many of you responded to that online survey and just shared a little bit of your thoughts and your feelings and uh, what God's teaching you during this time. And uh, that was just so helpful for us as we kind of plan how to move forward and be the church in ways that are safe, responsible, and all that stuff. Uh, we are launching right now uh, some of our kids' ministry stuff, some of our student ministry stuff, uh, launching that in safe and responsible ways and trying to, to re-engage with some people that maybe we haven't been able to engage with. So we're excited about that, ask you to continue to pray, continue to dialogue with us and give us feedback. Um, I want to talk briefly about the situation in Lebanon. These last couple of years, we have been working with a thousand lighthouses, which is a ministry all over the Middle East to refugees, but it is based in Tyre, Lebanon. And uh, we, we did not ask for this opportunity, but we have an opportunity now to do some amazing good for the people in the country of Lebanon. That country was in uh, economic free fall over the course of this year, just enormous problems and, and issues that they have had that have resulted in a lot of hunger and a lot of starvation within the country. Uh, our friends at uh, Tire Church and A Thousand Lighthouses, Pastor Muhammad, has been diligently finding ways to leverage his resources and just feed people in the country of Lebanon. And uh, if you follow the news this last week, that explosion that happened in their port happened to, to blow up their grain silos, which was right next to the warehouse that exploded. And so the hunger issues are just going to get get exponentially more challenging right now. Uh, the really exciting thing for us is just we feel like God has dropped this in our lap because we have people on the ground that we trust, that we are excited about how they manage resources, and so we want to just help get some money into their hands to get a little bit of relief to the Lebanese people. So we set up a special fund. You can go online and access it through the online giving page and check that box for Lebanon relief, or you can designate that on your check. What we're asking you to do is just to pray and ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, is this something you want me to join in with Pulpit Rock on? And if the Holy Spirit leads you to something else, do that. Please do that. Um, but if the Holy Spirit leads you to join with us in bringing some relief to Lebanon, please do. And please uh, join with us in prayer for our friends over there. It is an incredibly challenging situation that they are managing. So, Pray about that. Uh, but what I am really excited to talk to you about this morning is our special guest. Would you welcome Wanda Anderson? Thank you. Thank you. Wanda, we are so glad that you are here. Now, Wanda is a pastor in town with her husband, Ben Anderson. They are pastors at Solid Rock Christian Center down in the south side of Colorado Springs. Um, and uh, just tell us a little bit about your church, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, we are located in the southeast part of the city, and we are a community-based church, and we believe in the revitalization of the southeast because it's a marginalized community, and so we are very community-oriented, and my husband and I have been pastoring the church for the last 14, going on 15 years now. 
It's amazing. And I, th- th- this is two people that I ha- heard of their reputation long before I ever had a chance to meet them, just because they've been doing so many wonderful things for our city and for our neighbors. And so we're grateful for that. And in your spare time, uh, outside of the church world, you have a day job. Will you yes. tell us about your day job? Yes, I work at the Navigators, and I've been there for four and a half years, and I serve as the Director of Corporate Affairs and Risk Management, and that's essentially the in-house legal department. Yeah. So there's a, I'm sure there's some joke, I haven't figured out what it is, about being a lawyer and a pastor, but I'm going to let, I'm not going to make a joke about it. That's just amazing. Is it like, is, is one of those easier, harder, to the, is there overlap with that at all? There is some overlap. Okay. And, I, and I think that with the role of an attorney, you serve as a counselor. Uh-huh. And also with the role of pastor, you serve as a shepherd and counselor. And so there is some overlap there, trying to assess and get to the heart of the real issues. Well, I bet, mm-hmm. um, I bet you could talk for hours about that, but you're not going to this morning. You're going to go a different direction. Uh, will you tell us just a little bit about your family, about mm-hmm. yourself? Let us get to know you some. Sure. Well, my husband Ben and I, we've been married for almost 25 years, and we have four daughters, and um, all of our daughters are uh, married. Uh, two of them have children, and the youngest girl lives at home thanks to COVID-19. Um, she just graduated from college, and she will be pursuing her master's at DU. But everyone else lives away outside of the state. So uh, we have 10 grandchildren, none of whom live here. Oh. And so um, that's a little bit of a challenge. But we're grateful. We're grateful for them. And everyone's healthy, thank good, God. Good, 10 grandchildren sounds mm-hmm. amazing. Well, um, listen, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to get out of the way and uh, let Wanda just share what God has laid on her heart for us. So uh, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we we know that you're here. We know that you live in us as believers. We know that you are always speaking, that you are always active, that you are bringing forth the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so, God, we just pray for softness of heart so that you can realign us behind your work on earth. We pray for uh, wisdom of mind, just that you would give us uh, insight into what it means for us to step out into what you say. We just trust you, God. We trust that this is your work, what is happening around us, uh, what, what you've led us to, what you're saying to us is something that you are going to see through. So we trust you. We trust your spirit. We trust your word as it's brought through Wanda this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Midwives of justice. We heard the screams from a distance. We could tell that the time had come. We rushed to the waiting birthing stool, wondering if she was having a son. The excitement of new life filled the air. The young mother's breathing was labored. Her eyes pleaded for help in her hour of need. It didn't matter that we weren't her neighbors. Our experience prepared us for this time. We knew exactly what to do. We gently spoke to her heart and her mind, and we told her to bear down and push through 
despite the edict that had been given requiring certain male children to be killed. We guided these babies through the birthing process with fierce determination and with skill. These sons would be saved and not sacrificed like the other baby boys. These children would not be tossed into the Nile River nor succumb to the enemy's ploys. We did not agree with this evil decree. Our souls could not take part in this plan. The terrified mothers kept their pregnancies a secret until their labor pains began. We made a conscious choice to honor life and not kill these babies on demand. We feared the Lord and his holiness and did not want this blood on our hands. A nation stood in jeopardy with every infant death. We were commanded by Pharaoh to suffocate the boys and to stifle their very first breaths. But God had a plan that was bigger than the ego of an unhinged man. He told us to ignore the king's death warrant and instead to follow his commands. And by the time the baby boys were delivered, with God's help, we had saved thousands of lives. We spoke truth to power and we carried out justice as righteously resistant midwives. This poem was prompted by what I have been hearing the Lord speak to me over the last several months about the earth groaning as if in labor. I believe that the earth is pregnant with God's plan to eradicate injustice in the midst of a season intended by the enemy of our souls to induce a global miscarriage. Now, if you are familiar with the story in, in Exodus chapter 1, and we're going to look at it in a few minutes, you will recognize that this poem commemorates the courage of certain midwives whose names were Shifra and Puah. And they were commanded by this new king to kill every newborn baby boy. But they refused to carry out the king's command. They put their lives on the line by breaking the law in the name of justice. Now, as I think about this difficult time in history that we're, we're in, which involves some shifting on many levels, and it involves so much transition and new birth and new assignments, we can hear a new sound in the Earth's atmosphere. I thought of the importance of having a midwife present to assist in the throes of what can be classified as the sound of earthly groaning while in labor. And I am reminded that my great-great-grandmother, who was born a slave in 1858, but died a free woman, served as a midwife in Pulaski County in Virginia. She was well-known and she was highly regarded for her special skills in helping mothers and babies go through the birthing process. And now over 100 years later, 
my sister, Dr. Lisa Granderson in New Jersey, would become an obstetrician and a surgeon committed to helping generations of women have good prenatal care and safe labor and delivery experiences in the hospital. So assisting in the birthing process, I consider it as holy work. And for me personally, it's generational and legacy work. So as we think about the story in Exodus chapter 1, the midwives' refusal to participate in injustice was a demonstration of their active, nonviolent resistance to an oppressive system which enslaved a nation of people. Where there is a perceived threat to the power structure, a spirit of hatred is cultivated, which effectively demonizes marginalized people groups who would dare stand against systemic forms of oppression. Active resistance against imperialism leads to the extermination or the subjugation of those who are considered a threat to power. Now we've seen this play out in history many times. And while this particular narrative in Exodus chapter 1 took place thousands of years ago in Egypt amongst a disenfranchised population of Israelites who spent over 200 years in slavery. Let's not lose the parallels to the narrative which occurred in America over 400 years ago amongst the disenfranchised population of Africans who were also enslaved for over 200 years and to face the brutalities of horrendous treatment during centuries of captivity. As all of us are painfully aware, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. We are experiencing the ravages of illness across the world, primarily in the form of COVID-19. But simultaneously, we are experiencing the ravages of the illness of systemic racism, which is a byproduct of the transatlantic slave trade, which included an ethnically driven dehumanization of people of African descent through the withholding of freedoms, the withholding of basic rights, privileges, and the withholding of opportunities based solely and exclusively upon race. Exodus chapter 1. It is a painful narrative, and we have had many painful narratives in our country. But the heroic practices of midwives in Egypt cannot be discounted. Exodus chapter 1 is a setup for the story of Moses and his birth preservation in Exodus chapter 2. And we see how God raised up Moses to be the deliverer of a nation a nation of enslaved people, his own people. And in this story, we see that God's desire for justice and the preservation of his people are manifested through the actions of midwives. And midwives are those who are trained and assigned and delegated to usher new life into existence through the birthing process. Now to see how this plays out, today within our current realities, we're going to look at several scriptures to see how God draws the analogy of a nation undergoing a major shift to the pains experienced in childbirth 
and then the role of midwives in this process. Today's message is entitled, Midwives of Justice. Now there were many mothers in Egypt at this time whose lives were tragically torn apart and who with great sorrow and profound torment reluctantly complied with this evil law. But there were others who were actively engaged in this, in this movement of resistance with the midwives who, who wanted to save the Hebrew baby boys from complete annihilation. And what I'd like to do now is read from Exodus chapter 1. We're going to read verses 6 through 22, and I'm going to look, look at it from the New Living Translation, and I believe it will also be projected on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, feel free to follow along. And as I read this, I'm going to insert some color commentary that will bring present-day application to our situation. Starting at verse 6. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and they filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph and what he had done. He said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. I'm going to stop right there and insert a comment. Notice how the Israelites became greater in population. They were the majority in terms of numbers, but they were not the majority in terms of culture. And what we see over the course of history is that the majority culture is more representative of the power structure than the numbers. Picking up at verse 10. Since they are stronger and outgrowing us, we need to come up with a plan. A plan to keep them from growing even more. And if we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us then they will escape from the country. Picking up at verse 11. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. Slavery was the plan. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of, of Pithom and Ramesses as supply centers for the king. Verse 12. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. Let's stop right there. Very often we think that our greatest moments are when things are going well, when life is good, and we're not facing any challenges. But I submit to you that our greatest moments of development, of growth, of spiritual maturity happen when we are in the valley, when we are facing adversity, when we are in times of challenge. And so we see here that as the Israelites multiplied and as the Egyptians oppressed them, they became stronger and more determined. Verse 13. 
So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Verse 15, then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pua. Now I want to stop there and insert a comment because there are differences of opinion on the ethnic identity of these midwives. Some of the ancient texts believe that the midwives, Shifra and Pua, were actually Egyptian women or they were Nubian women, women who migrated to Egypt from Sudan. The Torah believes that Shifra and Pua were actually Hebrew women. But regardless of their ethnic identity and the ambiguity of it, we know that they were courageous women. Other ancient texts believe that Shifra and Pua were really Yahaved and Miriam, Moses' mother and sister. But again, we see them as courageous women who were serving the Hebrew women in labor. And so we pick up at verse 16. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, this is the king's command, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. Verse 18. So the king of Egypt, who was by this time very upset, called for the midwives. And he said, why have you done this? Why have you allowed the boys to live? And the midwives replied, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are more vigorous and they have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. Now let's stop there. Because either the midwives were telling an outright lie or they were carefully manipulating the truth. Historians believe that during this time of great population explosion amongst the Israelites, that the mothers were not having just single births. That when the midwives were showing up at the birthing stool, the women were having one, two, three, four, five, as many as six babies at one time. And so the midwives were, were, were saying in today's vernacular, they're popping them out so fast, we can't control it. And so you can imagine that the, the king of Egypt was furious because he had no control over this. Verse 20, so because the, the midwives refused to follow the order, God was good to the midwives. And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Why is this significant? Because midwives were often unmarried women or women who did not have children. And so God's response to their civil disobedience was to bless them with families 
And a lot of historians believe that they were blessed with families that, that were indicative of the Levitical priesthood and that lineage. Verse 22, then Pharaoh gave this order to all of his people. Throw every, to everyone, not just the midwives, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. He essentially required everyone to participate in this mass genocide. And he infused prejudice and racial bias into the land because of his insecure leadership, essentially giving the Egyptians permission and a command to discriminate. Because the parents were enslaved, the king decided to kill the baby boys who could potentially grow up to be very powerful and who might dismantle this system of oppression fueled by ethnic prejudice. But what the king didn't realize is that the lineage and succession to power would come through the life bearers, the girls whose lives were spared as babies and who would grow up and bear children to populate this mighty but enslaved nation of people. The midwives, Shifra and Pua, had a choice. They could either be agents of mass destruction and obey the government order and abide by the policy, or they could choose not to participate in this diabolical system of murder and extermination. Perhaps the midwives knew that their own destinies were somehow closely linked to the women whose babies they were ordered to kill. And so they could not bring themselves to do this horrible act. The scripture says that the midwives feared God. They feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. Shifra and Pua decided to rally the National Midwives Society in Egypt and, and inform them that they would no longer participate in the killing of these boys, but that they would make certain that the entire nation knew that Hebrew boys mattered. You see, when, when legalized segregation, slavery, and economic suppression fail, because marginalized people refuse to give up, they refuse to back down, the government will then issue an, an executive order to enforce a legalized form of genocide. Shifra and Pua were defiantly defiant. They were moved by God and their highest and best form of protest came in the form of prayer. Without their resistance, Without their determination, there would have been no Moses. And subsequently, Egypt would have had slavery last for a lot longer. Now, as we consider this story in Exodus 1, there are a few questions we must ask ourselves this morning as we enter into a time of personal reflection. Just four questions. Question number one, do I fear God enough to let go of my fear of man. Question number two, will I engage in civil disobedience and righteous protest to fight injustice, even if it makes me and others around me feel uncomfortable? Question number three, 
Will I choose consciously or unconsciously to be a tool of oppression and operate in the spirit of Pharaoh? Or question number four. Or will I choose to be a life-giving resource and a justice warrior and operate in the spirit of the midwife? We are very aware by now that the earth is experiencing groaning as if in labor pains. We see in Romans chapter 8, verses 19 and 22, from the New Living Translation, it reads as follows. For all creation, all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. In other words, the earth is waiting for the manifestation of God's people to rise up and reflect the righteousness and the justice of God. Verse 22 says, For we know, we are certain, it is without a doubt, that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present moment, even now. These verses describe the anticipation which pregnant parents feel as they eagerly await the arrival of that, that new life, the revealing of, of that new baby. But there's also a pre-delivery phase where groaning takes place. And that groaning is described as the necessary agony involved in childbirth. And contrary to popular belief, as many of you who are witnessing the live stream and here in, in person, you can attest that childbirth, even from the garden, childbirth is not meant to be peaceful, but it is designed to be disruptive, and it is bloody, sometimes angry, and painful, but it is purposeful. The breaking through of new life as it's pushing its way past the obstacles and past the barriers of the birth canal create a forceful experience which requires pushing and groaning and a release of pressure from the womb. The work of midwives in this process then becomes invaluable. Midwives are the women and men who stand alongside the mom as she prepares to deliver the child. They are not the ones who are pregnant, nor are they the ones who give life, but they help deliver new life. Midwives are watchful in their observation of changing conditions to determine when transitions are happening and when pain levels are increasing. They often give advice on alternate birthing positions for the mom so that she can cope better with the labor pains. When a change in position becomes necessary, the midwife will encourage a physical adjustment to facilitate the birth. Likewise, an internal spiritual adjustment is always necessary to accommodate the new thing that God wants to birth in us and do through us. Midwives are responsible for taking care of mom postpartum. And they can repair any tears that happen in the body during the birthing process. So that when labor and delivery are traumatic to the mother's body, the midwife 
becomes the repair of the breach with healing hands. Likewise, we as midwives will need to repair some breaches as a result of the trauma of years of systemic injustice. It is with intensity that we find Mother Earth in labor right now. She is full of pain. She is crying out for relief from sickness, from injustice, from the weight of sin manifesting in hatred, in division, in racism, and in all the other social disparities that, that produce fracture and which could result in a global miscarriage. The earth is groaning in labor pains right now because justice lies in gestation, waiting for its time of manifestation. The earth is in desperate need of Holy Spirit-inspired midwives to come alongside and offer encouragement to speak the word of the Lord and to pray prayers of healing and deliverance and to give instruction on how to breathe properly during the labor pains. Midwives are needed to show up as freedom fighters against oppressive systems, just as Shifra and Pua did so long ago as they spoke out against injustice. Midwives of justice are needed to show up as spiritual directors who can stand in the gap and who exhort and comfort during the painful birthing process when it looks like justice may be blocked from coming through the birth canal. A midwife of justice can often see things that others cannot see. They can discern the various stages of the birthing process as well as witness the crowning of the newness that is about to be born. A midwife of justice recognizes the necessity of painful contractions and knows when it is time to push and the time for release. Midwives of justice act courageously they act boldly and they act confidently in their assignment and they seek to align their skills and their knowledge with the divine plan of God as he births this new thing, his long-awaited justice in the earth. I believe that we are living in a Kairos time where Christ followers must serve in the role of spiritual midwives in bringing forth God's justice. But I must warn you, it's going to require us to keep alert, to stand strong in our faith. It will require us to be courageous in the face of great opposition, even opposition from fellow believers in Christ who may have differing philosophical and theological positions about what justice looks like. Bringing forth God's justice includes being willing to be present, present in the messy, in the ugly, in the bloody, in the uncomfortable, and in situations for which there are no easy answers. Bringing forth God's justice looks like loving our neighbors as ourselves and advocating for reform in the areas of poverty, food insecurity, homelessness, housing shortages, housing discrimination, health care inequities, 
racial disparities in our criminal justice system, in the elimination of human trafficking, in immigration practices and policy reform, in gender inequality and in slave labor. God is very clear about his passion for justice, and we should be too. In Isaiah chapter 42, verses 3 and 4, God promises that he will send his servant, Jesus, who bears his spirit to bring justice to the entire earth. He will bring justice to everyone, everywhere. In other words, justice is coming, and it will be birthed in the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit in operation through God's servants, the spiritual midwives. This is the justice that God has always intended, and it's the justice which God requires. May his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it's already established in heaven. Amen? I want to close with this final passage found in Isaiah chapter 66, verses 7 through 9, and I'm reading from the New Century Version, and it reads as follows. A woman does not give birth before she feels pain. She does not give birth to a son before the pain starts. No one has ever heard of that happening, and no one has ever seen that happening. In the same way, no one ever saw a country begin in one day. No one has ever heard of a new nation beginning in one moment. But Jerusalem will give birth to her children just as soon as she feels the birth pains. In the same way, I will not cause pain without allowing something new to be born, says the Lord. If I cause you pain, I will not stop you from giving birth to your new nation, says the Lord. And I love the New Living Translation of verse 9. Would I ever bring this nation to the point of birth and then not deliver it, asks the Lord. God is looking for those who will serve as midwives to discern the times of transition, the times of discomfort, and to embrace Holy disruption as the world prepares for a new season in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of chaos, and in the midst of this felt division. As midwives, we need to be in position to see the labored breathing and to hear the groaning of the earth. We must help the earth bear down and get ready to push because justice is coming. Rivers of justice will pour forth as we align our hearts with God's heart. We can see the head crowning even now. We know that when new life resides in gestation, there will follow a physical and a spiritual manifestation because justice must be born. We are living in a dispensation where this next move of God will not only be led by the sons and daughters of revival, but by spiritual midwives who have ushered in evangelism and discipleship and stewardship. 
And these spiritual midwives will be the catalyst for a love revolution which carries with it the anointing to demolish strongholds of hatred, of bias, of prejudice, of racism, and every form of injustice. God is raising up in the land, even today, even now, a midwife spirit. He is looking for the Shifras and the Puas who reject the spirit of Pharaoh and reject systemic injustice. He is looking for those who will facilitate the birthing of justice. It is time to push. It is time to bear down so that justice and righteousness and truth can be born and live and permeate the earth as part of God's original design. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you this morning, will you join in this movement of spiritual midwives? so that justice can run down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Our land needs healing. Let's pray. Oh, Abba Father, we have heard the cries of groaning, the cries of labor in the land. And we ask you, oh God, to give us ears to hear your voice and a heart and a mind to understand and receive that which you are calling us to do. Give us the spirit of the midwife and give us an absolute rejection of the spirit of Pharaoh. Let us be purveyors of your justice in this land. And we thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and how you are speaking. And we ask you to speak, Lord, for your servants. Your midwives are listening. May it be done so. May it be so done. May it be done. May it come to pass. Oh God, speak by the power of your spirit. We yield ourselves to you, oh God. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, our deliverer, our justice warrior. Thank you, Lord. Let all the people say with one voice, amen. Amen. God bless you.